Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Women are smart, brave, compassionate humans, capable of incredible things. But like any human, we can be complicated. When the circumstances are perfect, tensions are high, and the supernatural get involved, women of all kinds can be capable of the most wicked things imaginable. In honor of Women's Month this March, turn off the lights while we tell you some of their terrible stories. First, it's good for the skin, followed by killer restraint. Then, hell hath no fury like a witch scorned. Finally, in our featured story, The Curse of Medusa. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you love what we do here on Something Scary, please consider our Patreon. It is so helpful to us, and the best part is that you can listen to Something Scary ad-free. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Wicked Women In the year 1590, in Hungary, a series of events began that would end in the death of possibly hundreds of girls and young women. This is the true story behind the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Anna stepped into the room, trying to conceal her trembling. There have been rumors about this place, girls and young women coming to stay but never returning. She'd fought against it, but her parents had not believed her, chastised her for saying such wicked things against such an important lady. She would go to the castle and there learn the requisite etiquette and decorum fit for a young woman of noble birth. Now faced with the figure who filled her dreams with images of blood and death, she began to whimper. Her obvious angst seemed to please the host, who was as beautiful and youthful in appearance as the stories told. Come, child, the woman beckoned and Anna reluctantly did as instructed, jutting out her chin a little to pretend she wasn't so afraid. Yes, the woman purred, stroking the girl's plump cheek with a regal-looking hand. You'll do just fine here. 
There is much to learn about being a lady. Another young girl, around her age but of much lower class, showed her to her sleeping quarters. Anna tried not to stare at the deep scar on her cheek, the burn marks on her arms. Once the girl left, she lay her head on the bed and wept. She barely slept. The bed was comfortable enough, but Anna swore she could hear wailing and screaming coming from the depths of the castle. One of the boys in her village had whispered to her that there was a torture room in the dungeons. She had prayed he was just teasing, but now it seemed entirely plausible. She'd laid awake, praying for her safe return to be one of the few who went back to their parents. Her door was opened by the same girl as before, and she was informed she was to head straight to the lady's chamber. Anna shivered as the voice told her to enter. The woman stood in front of a large mirror, admiring her reflection, still dressed in sleeping robes. Come, she motioned to the dresser without turning. There was writing equipment. Tell your mother and father you are learning much and will be extending your stay. Anna was confused and frightened by this strange request, but more scared of what would happen if she disobeyed. Once she had penned the missive, she turned to indicate she was done. Another serving girl had entered the chamber. When Anna looked up, she was surprised to see a tear on the girl's cheek. Draw the bath now, girl, the woman barked, her regal voice far harsher when addressing the servant. The girl bowed her head and approached Anna, who saw the bedroom door was now closed. The servant ushered Anna into the adjoining room where a huge bath lay, the porcelain a strange pink hue. Surely she was not going to help the lady bathe. She was about to question her being there when she felt a sharp pain and then wetness around her throat. Her hands immediately tried to stem the flow to attempt in vain to stop the inevitable. The servant cried as she pushed Anna's dying body into the bath where the blood collected in a pool. Once there was no more, she removed Anna's corpse, dragging it to be buried with the others. In Elizabeth Bathory bathed yet again in the pure young blood in an activity that would later lead to her arrest and to the title, The Blood Countess. Thank you so much, Janine, for writing this story for us. What would you have done in Anna's shoes? What about the serving girl? Do you believe Lady Bathory was as murderous as all the stories say? Or could there have been more to that tale? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sometimes the most difficult thing we can do is walk away. Staying might cause the most damage. Like in this story inspired by Gretel. Thank you to our Patreon member, Rachel, whose name we're using in this story. My parents are military, so I'm used to starting over in a new school. So when we moved to an affluent neighborhood outside Boston during my senior year, I knew it would be difficult. I'd never lived in a rich area, and while my dad's job paid for the house, my clothes or makeup didn't really match the vibe. But like so many kids who move around a lot, I had grown a tough skin, socially speaking anyway. The first few months at Oakdale High proved uneventful. I could scope out the popular group, Mackenzie and Eva, at the helm. The jocks were grossly obvious. The emos, led by Rachel, were stereotypically dressed in black and aloof. This was the group I would usually fit into, but even they didn't seem to like me. It seemed my time at Oakdale would be more of a head-down, keep-moving situation. Then one day, Mackenzie and Eva invited me to join them for the homecoming dance. Obviously, I was baffled and defensive, but I also knew I could hold my own. Apparently, they had decided to go stag due to their recent breakups and wanted to feign excitement over going with a group of singles. So, I said yes. The night of the dance started off well. Dinner was at Eva's family's restaurant and her parents let everyone have a glass of wine, which meant Eva and Mackenzie ended up having two bottles to themselves. And wouldn't you know it, those divas turned into real-life mean girls. You know, that 90s movie with the plastics who tease Lindsay Lohan? Shocker. The taunting started, but I sat there and took it breathing slowly, determined to stay in control. I'd been here before. They made fun of my clothes, my teeth, all the way down to the smell of my hair. I went outside before exploding. Soon we piled into the car and drove to the dance, them still whispering conspiratorially, me planning on ditching them as soon as we arrived. As we walked in, I felt a reprieve, but only for a beat. Before I knew it, They had recruited other populars into the name-calling and had me surrounded. I could feel my throat closing, trying to remember the words my parents had taught me. Just breathe. You can always leave. I began to look for the nearest exit sign. It was about 40 feet away. As I headed in that direction, I noticed something. It was Rachel and her goth minions. They were latching the door shut trying not to be seen. Panic set in and my heart began to beat so hard I thought it would come out of my chest. I smelled smoke, so rushed over to the stage. Before I knew what was happening, I saw a fire and noticed people pointing at me, looking frightened. Everyone freaked out and rushed the doors, but they were all chained shut. I again heard my parents' words, closed my eyes and took a deep breath. Then I looked for Rachel. Everyone had scattered, pressing in utter panic against the doors that offered no salvation. I found Mackenzie, Eva, and Rachel together, 
tight like they were the best of buds, running to a side exit to the left. I followed as quickly as possible. They tried to shut the door behind me, but I forced my way through to the outside and was greeted with their kicks and punches. Smoke filled the air behind me, screams drowning out any other sound. Rachel and her cronies laughed as she spat at me. You're as bad as them, and we made sure that everyone will think you did this before running off into the night. I was furious. I could feel my blood boiling. Facing the school, I closed my eyes and held up my hands, focusing my rage at the building. I could feel my veins expanding and pupils dilating. It was happening again, and I wouldn't stop it. The energy vibrated from my core outward. It landed on the school and shook the building. Windows shattered and doors busted open. People began to flee from everywhere. Somehow, no one got hurt. I immediately passed out, which was usual whenever I used that amount of energy. When I awoke and had to explain to my parents what had happened, they were relieved that after years of helping me control my urges, it had paid off. This time, there were no casualties. That said, we were asked to leave the school. Tomorrow, I start my new school in California. Who knows? Maybe this time will be different. Thank you so much, Gretel, for inspiring this army brat story for us. Listener, if you had her powers, would you use them for good or for evil? Are you able to differentiate between the two of those? How long could you go without using such gifts? And do you see them as a gift or as a curse? Don't confuse someone being dead with them being gone. This story is based on a true story from Connecticut, inspired by Audrey. In the late 1700s, a woman in Connecticut named Hannah Hovey was under suspicion of being a witch. Back then, if you were accused and convicted of dealing in black magic, you were either hung or burned at the stake. But somehow, Hannah Hovey who later earned the nickname Hannah Crana, dodged such horrific battles. In the most ironic twist, the townsfolk were too afraid of her powers to bring her to trial, almost solidifying how dangerous she actually was. You see, Hannah had been a recluse for years, hardly leaving the house even as a young girl, as she didn't like to engage with anyone. As she grew older, Whenever someone had an encounter with her, she came across as rather abrupt and very combative, clearly never learning manners. That only worsened after her husband's death. Her parents had arranged for her to marry before they suddenly passed away. But it wasn't long after they exchanged vows that things took a turn for the worse. Her husband, Captain Hovey, had been walking alone, witnessed by several townspeople. He seemed confused, almost drunk, as he walked towards the town's cliff. Then, when he reached the top, he stopped to look back at his neighbors, took a deep breath, turned, and then kept walking right off of the edge to his death. 
Everyone swore Hannah had possessed him and was behind the tragedy. That's when she began making demands for food and firewood from everyone in town. And when her neighbors waited too long to respond, or worse, denied her the request, they would discover they'd been cursed. For example, her next-door neighbor refused to make a pie for Hannah during the holidays. And after her refusal, she was immediately struck down with debilitating arthritis, but only when she tried to cook. So she was unable to cook without being in pain again. On another occasion, a traveler had been fishing on Hannah's property without permission. And the next morning, he awoke with leprosy covering his entire body. The town had seen everything from apparent suicides to infertility over several decades, and they all led back to Hannah. They gave in to her demands, terrified of repercussions. For years, she had them doing her bidding to the point of exhaustion. That is, until after she passed away at the age of 77. Her final wish was to have her coffin carried, not wheeled, down to the cemetery. But the people were less than thrilled to carry her dead body nearly a mile in the cold. So they loaded the coffin into the wagon and began to wheel her down, as they had done with all the deceased up to that point. As the pallbearers began to walk beside the wagon, the coffin kept shifting and sliding off. Each man would take a turn trying to hold it in place to no avail. They hadn't even gone a hundred feet before deciding it was time to carry it the rest of the way. By the time she was in the ground and the last speck of dirt covered her resting place, a celebration broke out. The entire town cheered and danced and music began to play. As they rejoiced, a loud boom echoed out. It was so loud, each person could feel the shudder in their chest and beneath their feet. As they looked up on the hill where Hannah's house was, all that remained was ash and smoke that climbed a hundred feet high. Silence fell over everyone. They knew it was her watching over them, watching them take joy in her passing. From that day forward, no one spoke her name, and her 40 acres of property has never been sold. As recently as last year, two well-known TikTokers who were famous for debunking mysteries were found dead in the exact spot her home used to be. Their feed was usually full of mocking ghost stories. They had frozen to death in the middle of summer. It would have been inexplicable except for the townspeople who to this day hold their breath every time they look to the top of the hill, knowing she's watching and waiting. Thank you so much, Audrey, for the true story that inspired this tale. Do you think Hannah was a witch and that's why people treated her differently? Or do you think because of the way Hannah was treated that she became evil? Also, do you think magic really was involved or did these people manifest this upon themselves? Medusa was an ancient Greek gorgon with a head full of snakes. 
One look into her eyes would turn you to stone. Mortal men were terrified of her due to the curse, and she took great pleasure in delivering punishment to any who looked her way. Magdalena was ready to take on Manhattan. She rented a tiny apartment and found a job at an ad company. She quickly became friendly with a junior executive named Paxton McNamara. Pax was very handsome, and when he offered Magdalena a tour of the city, she was thrilled. He introduced her to restaurants, the Met, and hidden parks. Eventually, he led her to his plush apartment in the East Village. All her dreams were coming true. One early Saturday morning, Magdalena made coffee in Pax's apartment as he readied for a last-minute meeting at the office. When he was out the door, Magdalena dove back under the covers instead of leaving like usual. Within minutes of falling asleep, she was startled awake and screamed. There was a woman hovering above her with jet black hair and angry eyes. I am Adele. Adele McNamara, his wife, yelled the woman. Magdalena couldn't make sense of it. She had no idea Pax was married. I didn't know, Magdalena cried. Adele grabbed Magdalena's hand and sliced the palm with an ebony black blade, causing Magdalena to writhe in agony. Still holding her hand tightly, Adele began to whisper something in another language, and her eyes rolled back in her head. A lesson needs to be learned. Adele said before disappearing as Magdalena passed out. A few hours later, in a nearby coffee shop, Magdalena sat shaking, her hand wrapped in gauze. Pax walked over to meet her, knowing how much trouble he was in. The moment he laid eyes on her, he began to weep. Not from guilt, though, from the sight of Magdalena. Once mesmerized by her beauty, now when he looked at her, all he could see were dozens of writhing snakes swirling around her head. They were coming from her scalp. He tried to explain, but wouldn't make eye contact. Magdalena realized the waiter and the gentleman who entered the coffee shop had the same reaction. She was terrifying to every man in her presence. Pax apologized, and then he ran away like the coward he was. Magdalena stumbled home, heartbroken and afraid men turning away in dread or disgust as she passed by. She reached her apartment and locked the door. Slid under the door was a notice of eviction for unpaid rent. A voicemail from work said that her affair with Paxton required her termination. Her bank account was nearly empty. For weeks, she wept in despair, knowing she'd have to leave. She'd secretly followed Pax home one evening and discovered the second apartment where he lived with Adele. With nowhere to go and little money, she grew desperate and went to see a woman named Lady Bardot who dabbled in black magics. She no longer cared for Paxton, and Loki thought having men be terrified of her made her feel safe in a way. But her chosen profession required interaction with all genders, and one day she would want to re-enter the dating scene, so this curse must end. As soon as Magdalena entered, Lady Bardot could see what all the others were seeing. The only solution, she said, as she handed over a dagger, was to cut the curse off at the root. Magdalena knew exactly what to do. 
That night, she watched Pax enter the apartment. She snuck in after him, and as he was unlocking the door, Magdalena pushed them both into the hallway, slamming the door shut. Before Pax could react, she took the dagger out, raised it up, holding it close to her own eye. In his panic, his eyes followed the dagger and finally made him look directly at Magdalena. She stared into his soul, focusing on her hatred for him and what she had become. In that moment, she felt what they all had seen. She felt the snakes around her face, writhing and hissing at Paxton. There, right before her, Pax turned to stone and then crumbled into dust. And just like that, Magdalena felt better. She wasn't sure if it was the magic or the revenge, but he could never cause such hurt from cheating again. She closed the door and made her way home. Early next morning, there was a knock on the door. It was the landlord. Through the peephole, he said there had been an error. Not only had her rent gone through for the previous months, but he also had a bouquet of flowers from someone congratulating her on replacing Paxton as a junior ad executive. She flung open the door, forgetting her curse. She froze, but he didn't flinch. She was back to normal. However, upon taking the bouquet and reading the note attached, her face grew more and more astonished. It read, Congrats on the new job, and thank you for taking care of that side job I gave you. It turned out better than I could have hoped. A lesson needed to be learned. The note was signed by Adele. Adele McNamara, the late Paxson's new and apparently happy widow. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Janine Pipe. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and Graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Marquia McCarty. Executive Producer, Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you'd like to support Something Scary and all the work we do, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. And if you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.